the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Let's begin with praying. Father, thank you so much for a brand new day. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And we count on that, Lord. Lead and guide us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, we are on um, chapter 96, Psalm 96. And um, I'm going to start reading out of the King James again. So here we go. Father, we pray for understanding of your word. Old sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the earth, uh, Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before all, fear, fear before him all the earth. Say unto the heathen that the Lord reigneth, and the world also shall be established, that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people right, righteously. Let all the heavens rejoice. Let all the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field of be joyful and all that all is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth and he shall judge the world with righteousness and his people with his truth. Thank you for your word, Lord. What a great psalm. Um, I'm going to introduce our guest today. And as I said yesterday, um, we've kind of met, I'm going to say around 07, um, maybe a little bit later. No, it was earlier than that. I'm sorry. It was earlier. Way earlier. It was probably 03. But um, 
I did want to introduce her, Dr. Cynthia. Thank you for joining us, and um, I so appreciate your time. I know you're so busy, and welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Thanks. I'm so glad to be traveling with you today. Oh, yeah. Okay. Listen, I, I do want to recap, just briefly go over your background and your testimony and how the Lord led you to some of the ministries that you do. But let's, let's take it all the way up to how you were saved and, and things that happened in your life that led you to, to, I think you talked about three different moments in your life that were pivotal in your walk with the Lord and where you are today in the ministries that you do. So if you could um, start with that, that'll be great. That's right. Sure. I described three phases where I made a change and a decision. The first was when I was five years old. That's when I decided to let Jesus into my heart, as they used to say in Sunday school. So I came forward in Sunday school to receive the Lord. I had been raised in a devout Christian family that emphasized going to church as a teenager, I went almost every day to some church function, and we were very involved in missions, although not missionaries. And my father did a lot of international work, helping missionaries and, of, of course, making money to support our family and sharing the gospel where he went around the world. Excuse me. <coughs> Oops, I hope that's not going to be a problem today. But so coming out of a Christian home, I actually went mostly to Christian schools. And when I became a senior and I had to think about, oh, what am I going to do with my life? I had two main things I was thinking about. One was to be <coughs> roadie. I was fine yesterday. I know. You know, don't don't even worry about it. Just take time. I, I have the, the same problem sometimes. And people cough and 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 people cough and don't have COVID. I, I know that when I'm walking through the stores sometimes, sometimes I'm walking through the stores and I'm coughing and I'm thinking I have to announce like let me get on the announce uh, those little loudspeakers and tell the whole store I don't have COVID. I'm just mm -hmm. coughing. Right. Yeah, it's just uh, there's dust here today, etc. So excuse, I have a little uh, halls there. But I was trying, I was praying, I was actually feeling very uh, spiritual, you know, seeking God, what do you want me to do with my life? And the things I thought would be good would be work with languages, maybe be a Bible translator or be a physician. So I became a physician and it took me 13 years to get through medical school and specialty training. And of course, undergrad. After that, I ended up actually not overseas, but in an area of America that does have a lot of people from an ethnic group that haven't heard the gospel. So I started sharing with them and also some overseas, and little by little, before you know it, I was doing a lot of ethnic ministry. And I guess what you're referring to, the third one was 
even though I had been doing some ministry before that, um, all ever since I was a kid. It was February 1st, 1995, when I just kind of had this revelation experience that I should be living more boldly and openly for the Lord. It was kind of maybe an empowering due to uh, almost a PTSD experience of things that had been going on in life. And so out of that, I started doing more outreach locally and with this other people group. And in 1999, started working with Muslims overseas, then really saw the need in America And out of this, although first this was within churches like that, you know, raising money for supplies and things. But in 2005, officially, we started American Ethnic Ministries. So, yes, I've been working with ethnic groups for decades before that, really, since high school. But that's how American Ethnic Ministries was born. We researched and saw that there was a need for outreach with Muslims, as well as Sikhs and Hindus and Buddhists, which we had been working with before. So that's how the ministry started. And now we do a large variety of things. I know we we decided to talk about some of those today and see if any of them could help your viewers. Okay. Um, how when I when I first met you. Um, you were doing, um, you were teaching those that were there at this particular conference on Pathway of the Prophets. And as a matter of fact, I brought mine, I dug it out of the, dusted it up and brought it in today. And um, and right here has your name here. I, I um, that it actually says just Dr. C., on it and um it's the pathway to the path and now this isn't this is the training manual that you used as you handed it out as we walked in and that was our first experience with pathway path of the prophets and i absolutely love um that way of sharing with muslims um what they believe you know what's in their quran so um if you wouldn't mind Starting with that, um, the track the track is very small that we hand out to them, um, and um, yes, that one, yeah, and and um, and this is the I, I I meant to bring one of those and I I dug through everything and I don't have it and that's I said I said to you that's a good sign I've handed them all out, but um, could you go over a little bit of the material in 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 less detail that's what's here, but with enough um, information that our viewers um, can pick it up very easily. And I know you can point them to the website too, but if you're with that, um, I really love this. So uh, Pathway of the Prophets. Thanks, Rodi. Sure. Let's talk about the Path of the Prophets in our training. And we do training from like an hour to full days to, you know, teaching missionaries before they go overseas, and then online, just a whole spectrum, which we can talk about more later. But the basic mindset or the way that we teach pretty much everything is that it falls into three categories. Build bridges, 
share truth, especially the gospel, and challenge falsehood. Now, with any faith or even with anyone in your family, you can almost put your entire life into that. When you're with someone, you should build a bridge, share some truth, or challenge falsehood. When we're with Muslims, first we have to build a bridge to them. How are we, if, if it's not someone in our family or someone who sits next to us in school, how are we going to connect? That's one type of bridge. The second bridge is from that person to the gospel. And we want to share the gospel and also other types of truth with them. And the third thing is sooner or later, if someone is coming out of Islam, they need to know that Islam is wrong. So we challenge certain things in Islam. If we're working with Sikhism or Hindus or atheism or anything else, then we can use that same format, one, two, three, bridges, share, and challenge. So this particular booklet works with the first two. And whatever whatever setting you're in, you may use one, two, or three of those steps we talk about. It, usually, I like to do it in that order. There's some kind of a bridge you have with someone. Then you share truth from the Bible and hopefully eventually the gospel. And then finally, once you're interested in that, you do start challenging things they believe that aren't true. But I have found this can even be a type one bridge because every day I take these with me. If I meet a Muslim, I will give this to them, usually with a coffee card or a chocolate or something really good. So they will know that this is good. What I like about using this using it as a bridge is you can say, oh, you're Muslim. You might be interested in this because it talks about how Christianity and Islam and Judaism are related through the prophets we share and the sacrifices. And if you say that with a smile, your smile is the bridge. And then they have this. And I feel a little bit comfortable because then I know they have a message in their hand that if they read English or Arabic, and we do have them in some other languages, if they read that, they will get the gospel. So that will be great. And then if my smile is the bridge and they think, oh, that's a nice American, maybe they will read it. And because it's so approachable, Rody, as you mentioned, you like it. Each page makes a point. And so we will often see them right then start to read it. If mm -hmm. we have time, we talk to them about the different stages of it. And I think that's what you would like us to do now. Mm -hmm. but basically, you can use this as a bridge to the person and as a bridge from the person to the gospel as they read it. So why do we think this is good? Why does Rody like it? Why do many people like it? And that is because it uses things that Muslims already know and believe to gradually show them the truth so that it won't come at them in a totally confusing way. Or what we found is because Islam is the main religion that has stumbling blocks built into it, we don't want to hit those stumbling blocks. I mean, it's actually 
in the Quran that Jesus didn't die on the cross, that there is no Trinity. The Quran doesn't say that the Bible is corrupted, but they all think that. So that's why, even though occasionally we do use John 3.16 with them, we find it's better to use the path of the prophets because they understand it. Why? We talk about what they know, God's character in the beginning. Then we talk about the, the what we usually would call patriarchs. We talk about Adam, Noah, Abraham, and Moses, and what they did that showed there was punishment for sin, there was blood sacrifice, but God accepted a substitute. Muslims have heard of some sacrifice, mainly the sacrifice of Abraham where his son was substituted, but they don't know about the sacrifices of Moses or Noah. And so we try to show them that that was always there. And sometimes if we challenge them a bit, I will say, where is the blood sacrifice for sin in Islam? If it is related and it's through Judaism and Christianity, then it should be there. But going through it, we explain to them how that was happening. And then after Moses, there were additional prophecies that there would be a final sacrifice. So this mentions that there will be a final sacrifice for sin and a new covenant. And so they start to see that. We talk about the pro just a little bit. There are a few stumbling blocks. They always have this booklet comes against it in a way that's natural. But, for example, they like to say the Bible has been changed. We explain these prophecies were sealed in the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, we did not make them up after Jesus. And we talk about why the sacrifice had to be perfect. And it makes enough sense to them that literally Muslims have said to me, one student on campus said to me, you're the first Christian I've talked to that makes sense. Another one, a professor on a different campus said, by the time I, I went through all of these sacrifices, he said, so Jesus is the Lamb of God. You know, he got it. And so we tend to use the Lamb of God illustration more than starting out with the cross because that's another stumbling block. So to some degree, this gets under the barbed wire where you're going to end up derailed into conflicts. This uses things they know and they're not really going to disagree with until you're about halfway through the booklet. So we really like it. We think it's helpful. It was originally written in Arabic by Brother Elijah, whom Rodi and I know. And uh, he was the main one who trained me in so much about Muslim culture and ways to talk to them. And then I wrote it in the English. This has been printed and reprinted multiple times in different languages over the years. It's currently used on about five continents. We have, over, I mean, I'd have to check the number, over 50,000 out there circulating. So pray that 
people are picking them up, even somebody else in the family who wasn't the first to get it. So besides, did you want to make a comment, Rody, before I mention the bracelet that goes with it? Or um, a question? I did want to mention that um, there, when, when you're finally talking to them about a law uh, becoming man, and um, he died as the sacrificial lamb, um, the, the big stumbling block there is Muslims believe in Jesus, that he was mm-hmm. man, but they don't believe in the God factor of man. And, and so that's, that's the biggest stumbling block to get to that. But, but it, it does help that they understand that he was the sacrificial lamb and, and that he died for their sins. Um, and that is one thing that I like to point out. And, and just as, um, just as Abraham used his, you know, was about ready to sacrifice his own son too. But um, I, I, I love the way it, it flows um, presenting all the different prophets and, and their, and pointing them to the sacrificial lamb at the end. Um, but go ahead. I, I'd like to see that bracelet. Well, let's, let's talk a bit about the points you made. Those are really good. Because, as Rody mentions, the actual invitation we give here is related to that substitution. Mm-hmm. It says, um, we will all be judged. How did Abraham and his son receive the mercy of God? Through the lamb God provided. Mm-hmm. What would happen if they did not accept the lamb? The son would die. What would happen to us if we do not accept God's provision, the Lamb of God? We too will die eternally. So this makes sense to them. It brings home the substitution. And friends, we don't look for nonsensical arguments. I know there are Christians out there who love to get in minutia to prove that they're smarter. We believe You want the main thing to be the main thing. You notice we don't say which son, what was the name of the son. Mm -hmm. That's not the point. We're not trying to get into an argument. Everything we use in this book, we're trying to bridge. What do they know? What do you know? Here, let us show you this in an interesting way that they want to. What? Moses did sacrifices for sins? We didn't know that. We knew there were the Ten Commandments. Not that we know what they are, but, you know, they knew there was a law. So we try to make it interesting and we try not to get sidetracked into non-profitable, unprofitable arguments. As Paul said to Timothy, you know, don't waste your time on unprofitable things. So we want to make the main thing the main thing. We want them to understand God is for them. He has provided a way. And, and I think that's, Perfect. So, yes, you mentioned about the problem with them saying God would not become a man. Mm-hmm. And the way we address it in here, of course, we also do apologetics and polemics. But the way we mention it here is why only God is perfect. His perfect demands perfection, demands that we be perfect. And 
what this says is that, okay, only Jesus is perfect. Only God is perfect. And the sacrifice had to be perfect. So that's why God was the sacrifice himself. None of us are good enough to do it. And a lamb couldn't do it. I will mention because since we've been using this for about, um, say, since about two, well, uh, 20 years almost in one form or other, the now at first they were so stunned. They're coming up with some arguments against it. I will let you know what it is because they're basically non-arguments. They will misquote Bible verses that say, well, you know, the Psalm or Jeremiah, it says that you don't, God doesn't want sacrifices. You know, the blood of bulls have I not desired. But so they totally miss the point and they're looking for things out of context. And for that, I do quote Leviticus 17, 11, showing that blood is for the remission of sins. And then I will give Jesus communion service or whatever. So if they if they misquote those scriptures to you, just don't accept it. Uh, know that they are misquoted because in those two occasions, God is saying he prefers us to have a clean heart and do the right thing than just go out sinning all the time and taking advantage of whether it was the Old Testament sacrifice or the sacrifice of Christ. That's the end of part one. Tune in next week for part two of this On the Road with Jesus episode. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H, Fisher, at on the R-H-O-D-E with Jesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.